I think it's important for us to remember that a lot of the things we're starting to see men struggle with may have been there all along in some form, but the fact that we're starting to see them may be a sign that we're starting to break through some of those traditionally very powerful ways that the world has said, this is masculine, this is feminine, because actually at the end of the day, that's biologically often not what we are and who we are it's what society tells us we are and we can change that narrative and and i think for men's health we need to be changing that narrative these are the yays of our lives busy and happy are not the same thing we too rarely question what makes the heart sing we work then we rest but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way so this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Welcome back to Yays of Our Lives, lovely neighborhood. This one is a bit of a cracker. In a Seize the A first, I didn't write any notes to prepare for this episode or edit any of it at all, which has never happened before, which is both terrifying and liberating, as well as a testament to what a great conversationalist our guest for the episode truly is. I'm joined by absolute legend Dr. Kieran Kennedy, a medical doctor, psychiatrist and mental health advocate who first appeared on the show back in episode 92, which I highly recommend you go back and have a listen to for context. It is in fact the one year anniversary this week of our chat for last year's Men's Health Week and I thought who better to join for a reunion to discuss this year's Men's Health Week than Kieran. Kieran is a dedicated advocate for redefining societal ideas about masculinity encouraging open conversations about mental health and well-being and has been a shining light for many of us through the challenges of Victoria's continued lockdowns. He also expertly weaves in amongst his technical scientific wisdom, a wicked sense of humour, passion for calf club, which I'll never let him live down and which you'll hear all about, and love for seizing his yay, making this chat an absolute hoot. We really only met properly during last year's episode and haven't known each other that long, but he's one of those people you instantly trust and can have the most enjoyably tangential conversations with. I had also been filming for over 15 hours when we recorded this one, so do please excuse my delirium. I usually don't let my crazy out of the bag that much, but hopefully you get a few laughs out of it as well as some more serious practical insights on managing your mental health. Dr. Kieran Kennedy and Calf Club member extraordinaire, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited. Sarah, thank you for having me. Thank you for having Calf Club. Thank you for having Lammy. It's a pleasure to be back. What can I say? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, firstly, everyone, you know, I'm usually pretty planned out and researched. I have done zero planning. We have both been going for like 12 hour days. And this is going to be an absolute joy. I can already feel it. I'm so delirious. <laughs> <laughs> I feel humbled, actually, that you that you feel safe enough with me, mate, to, to let me <laughs> in on, on the delirious podcast. This is, yeah, I'm, I'm touched. Okay, well, we went for a walk recently and not even in a delirious state, like completely well-rested. We ended up talking about UFOs. And we did. Questions UFOs. of the universe. There's nothing I could say to you that would surprise you, I don't feel. So it's oh, always a safe well, place now. <laughs> remember one, th one thing you said to me on that walk was surprising. What and did it I was say? The, the Yosemite Vegemite rabbit hole that we fell <laughs> into. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a psych. I've heard a lot of stuff. But that, that kind of blew the little peanut brain a little bit. <laughs> I have actually blown the mind of a doctor of psychiatry. Wow. Wow. You've done wow. it. <laughs> <laughs> so context, there are so many things we need to provide context for here. Firstly, during our walk, we were really just off on 25 million tangents, which is such a joy. And this is why I love chatting to you because we just go off in all directions. I decided to let you in on my theory of why Yosemite National Park in the States is pronounced wrong because <laughs> case in point, Vegemite. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dear the United States, you have named <laughs> one of your national parks incorrectly because Vegemite is not Vegemity. I win. <laughs> and again, as a psychiatry doctor, I had no comeback or argument to that at all. I was just a bit stumped. So I feel like it really upset you. Like you were posting stories about it later that day, like it was really affecting your well-being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, lockdown, I've been fine with the pandemic, sweet. But that was like strong camel's back that sort of broke me. So thanks for that, mate. <laughs> You're so welcome. It's a mystery of the universe. It really is. I should is. write to the president and just address the concerns that I have we with Yosemite National that. Park. <laughs> Second thing we need to provide context for is Calf Club and Lammy mm-hmm. because anyone who hasn't heard your wonderful, wonderful episode of Seize the A, this is not your first time on the podcast. Exactly a year ago, actually, it's just Men's Health Week 2021 has just finished. So this, that makes man. this our anniversary. Ooh. So much yay. <laughs> so can you let us in on the secret of what Calf Club actually is and why every time I see you, I have to mention it and ask how Lammy's going back in New Zealand? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pleasure. I was going to say I feel like last time this set you off. So I'm ready to, <laughs> ready to do that a second time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about neuropsychiatry and mental health calf club boom we talked about lambs for about two hours straight so <laughs> <laughs> so basically i had you on the show to discuss men's health because as a doctor of psychiatry in men's health week you had just graced the cover of men's health magazine i thought it was really important to address you know breaking down the stereotypes we have of masculinity mm-hmm, and mm-hmm talking about the mental health challenges we were all facing in lockdown last year. And somehow in my research, I unearthed that actually your launch into the stratosphere of the universe was Calf Club back in New Zealand, which is, can you explain for all the mainlanders over here? (laughs) Once a year in New Zealand, most rural country schools uh, will do what we call Calf Club. And it's a big call, but it may or may not be the best day of the entire year uh, but, there's not um, a lot going on in New Zealand <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but uh yeah it's like a, a bit of a like a, a fair day at school there's kind of stalls and, and everything but the main event is everyone uh raises a little calf or a lamb and you <laughs> your face <laughs> And you uh, compete, so you uh, will lead them around little courses or you'll practice who's <laughs> raised the best one and, and judges will come around and judge. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> but- and what makes me even more happy is that every time I tell someone who you are, like I was saying to my mum the other day, I went for a really nice walk with Kieran. She's like, who's Kieran? I was like, calf club. She's like, oh, Kieran. <laughs> But every time, <laughs> every time I explain it to someone, I then show them Lammy, who is your award-winning, yeah. like calf club award-winning yeah. lamb, and everyone's like, "That's not a calf. Like, what's happening?" <laughs> so you so can have why a calf did you have a lamb? lamb? And in a in a shocking modern twist, I've been told that kids also have chickens now as well. So. That's an added little happening? froth point for you, mate. But Oh, my yeah. God. What's happened to tradition, honestly? I don't know. Chicken. <laughs> this is, this is going to spiral down into calf club. It's already spiraling. chats already. <laughs> I can literally, I was trying to be serious just before. I can't hold it in. It just, if you need yay today, just look up calf club. Like it is yeah. just such a joyful yeah. concept and we just I'll, don't have it here yeah. if anyone needs a laugh I'll, I'll resend you that photo mate of of me with my bowl cut at 10 years old with lammy and all it's the in ribbons. my favorites yeah it's in my favorites you don't need to resend it to me <laughs> <laughs> it's a definite laugh if you need a little bit of a yay in your day that's for sure okay well thank you for joining me on this episode that's all i need for today <laughs> <laughs> and good night <laughs> and bye that was such a great chat <laughs> no but in all seriousness apart from being a calf club champion extraordinaire you are an extremely accomplished qualified doctor of psychiatry who's doing wonderful things in the world of mental health for men in particular but for everyone generally and being a wonderful spokesperson for 
mental health in a time where it's probably been challenged more than it really ever has been in our memories. So I thought for today's yays of our lives, because I have done zero preparation, that I would let you choose the quote of the yay and see if there was anything that had kind of come up for you in the last, I mean, we've just come out of lockdown number four Mm -hmm. after having done our last episode in lockdown number miscellaneous number. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Who knows? What has the last couple of weeks been like for you? And, And is there a quote that you wanted to chat about today? Yeah. Well, I mean, as always, mate, that was way too kind. And, you know, I won't tell everyone the horrible things you tell me when behind closed doors and we're just hanging out as mates. But that's, When I pay that, you out. That was a, re- <laughs> that was a really too, far too kind <laughs> intro. But no, the last few weeks for me have been pretty busy, but, but really good. Um, I think last time we spoke, I was finishing up the clinical part of my specialist training. And now we're fast forward a year, and so I've done that. So it's been a really crazy year with all the pandemic um, and and the way that that's affected people's mental health. But it's also been a really great year because uh, now that I've finished that registrar part of my training, I can sort of um, branch out and do a lot of different things. So I'm doing some psychiatry work, some locum work, we call it, sort of little private contract work. The doctors um, and I'm also rolling up the sleeves to help the vaccine roll out so I've been doing a vaccine clinic um, a few days a week as well which has been uh, something different and something really important to get behind and then Absolutely. just my usual rambling and, and trying to get the message out there as well so uh, it's been really really busy but really good as well because just as you said um, Sarah that's never a time more Uh, that we need to be talking about mental health because I think we're all feeling it in some way right now for sure. Mm, Absolutely. And I think something that has been really wonderful, I mean, it was probably starting to happen, but that's kind of solidified itself over the past year and a bit, like maybe 18 months, has been a real light being shone on men's mental health Mm. in particular and maybe because it's been more acute and the need has been greater to sort of talk about it more and encourage conversations and really engage in preventative mental health for the gender who is not traditionally encouraged to kind of show when they're struggling or reach out. Absolutely. And you've been a wonderful spokesperson for that, like guiding us all through. I mean, as soon as a lockdown happens again, every announcement, you've just been pumping out really reassuring, but not too scientific or overcomplicated information mm. either that's been really yeah really really wonderful oh thank you mate but yeah and I mean that's what I love about chats just like this or you know getting these messages out there is you know it doesn't have to be overly complicated and psycho babbly um you know doing it in a relatable kind of um fresh way is, is I think the way we need to go especially, as you say, for, for men or, or for people who maybe don't connect with chats about mental health and psychology and emotions and all of those things as readily or easily, you know, I think making it relatable is key. But, um, yeah, I almost forgot then I did find a quote because, you know, <laughs> I, I took all that pressure on my back knowing that I needed to find the quote because... <laughs> You've been hectic today. I delegated. I was like, I need to just lean on you. I'm just going to delegate this task right out to you because I feel like you'll find something really intelligent and I'll just come up with some babble about calves, basically. Yeah, I mean, you brought about 10 quotes about calves to the table, so I vetoed those. Thank you for everyone <laughs> listening. Those were vetoed. <laughs> I would have listened to that episode, I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, the quote that I did come up with or that came actually pretty quickly to mind when you said we'd sort of start the chat today with a quote um, is one that I'm sure you've heard before and you might even probably have had someone bring up on the on the show before but it's a quote it's one of my favorites it's by the Persian poet uh, Rumi and it's uh, you probably know what's coming but it's um you are not just a drop in the ocean you're the entire ocean in a drop um and and I love that quote and I've always found it incredibly powerful but you know, when I was thinking about us talking about mental health in this current time and and Men's Health Week that we've just had last week, that one sort of stands out as well because I think 
there's there's a bit of a a stormy a stormy old ocean going on out there in the world at the moment and it's it's oh so easy for all of us to feel like we're pretty isolated and alone and you know sort of hemmed in with a lot of anxiety and worry right now so you know that that idea or ethos of you know you're not just the drop you're you're the ocean in that drop is is i think quite powerful when we're thinking about having these discussions because no matter how alone or isolated you feel your worth you know your story is worth being heard and and you are worth reaching out so that that is a bit psychobabbly and psychiatristy <laughs> but I, I said i wasn't going to go there but you know I, yeah in in its own way that's what that quote sort of clicked in with quite nicely to me this past week i love that so much i think it really does hammer home the fact that one of the biggest barriers to any kind of seeking of help for mental health or just reaching out is that isolation piece, like feeling lonely yeah. or feeling like no one else could possibly understand what you're going through and Absolutely. and that, you know, no one would understand even if you tried or they wouldn't know what to do. But actually yeah. I think there are so many people out there who are who know what to say or who know who to help you, how to get you to someone who knows what to say. And Yeah, definitely. I'd love to know like reflecting because this is our anniversary reflecting on men's mental health week last year mm. either for you personally or as a practitioner or just as a general participant in this great roller coaster of what the last yeah. sort of year <laughs> a has fellow been rider yeah <laughs> compared to this year are there any like big observations changes forwards or backwards or themes that aren't as strong this year that were last year or anything that you've just kind of noticed since we yeah. spoke last? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a really interesting week. As you say, it's um men's health week is always quite a busy week for me and, and I love that it is, but you know, it's it's a week where um lots of people are wanting to talk about men's health and, you know, whether it's T V or radio or little articles for things. Um and this week I this year I really felt that and you know it was almost like there was this real need for us to be talking about especially the mental side of things for men more mm. um, and I think you said it before Sarah but the almost the strange double take silver lining to to everything we've all been through in the last 12 months is that it's really just outed the fact that mental health and mental illness is, is something that unites us it doesn't separate us and and I think if anything this men's health week it's just been so 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 bloody amazing for me as a mental health doctor to see that mental health has really been an equal kind of partner to physical health um, because it, it's not just men's health week it's it's all health weeks and it goes for women too I think but we're often so much quicker to just jump on the okay let's let's talk about prostate cancer and let's talk about Viagra and let's talk about men's <laughs> sexual health and their fitness yeah. and you know all of those big ticket physical things that are really really important but sometimes the the mental health discussions can feel a little secondary but mm. for me this past week with men's health week has really just felt very strongly that we've kind of bumped mental health up to an equal placing um, on that table and and that's exactly where it should be and you know that's been so 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 great to see that's so exciting to hear from particularly from a practitioner's point of view because you have such a greater insight into what is actually kind of happening out in society whereas we're very influenced just by who we're following or who we're talking to yeah. but to to see that even just how off you know how regularly you've been consulted to contribute to things and watching your career blossom as well is in itself kind of a sign that these conversations are becoming more important and have evolved from almost being a little bit sort of tokenistic and like a week mm. where we just tick the box of, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's better than nothing. It, it's the start Absolutely. of how conversations begin, but it's almost yeah. like it stopped being just something we think about for one week and it started yeah. being something that different organisations or different spokespeople or ambassadors are actually bringing up all the time. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, so many other avenues and places and, you know, whether it's companies or brands or, 
you know, different media platforms, so many places that we wouldn't traditionally associate chatting about men's mental health with have sort of been doing amazing work, you know, um, separately from me as well. Obviously, I've seen so many people on social media and, and in the media this past week just really pushing that, um, you know, and so to see fitness influencers or, um, you know, media platforms that might not traditionally talk about some of that nitty gritty difficult stuff to, to see places like that kind of pushing for, for health of mind as being equally important as your body that's been so you know it's been really special to see actually um you know because i think men's health is that you know and, and obviously women's mm. health is as well but you know men's health is is so much more than you know gymming and you know lifestyle stuff and, and prostate cancer and, and all those other physical things and obviously they all have their place but you know men and men's health as a whole you know men are so much more than that and and men are you know the vulnerable side men are you know the the panic attacky side they're the mm. worrying about failure worrying if they stack up against other guys worrying if they're ever gonna you know nail down a, a partner or have kids one day you know all of these things that that masculinity has for so long told men they they can't be or they can't touch you know it's really important that we acknowledge that that those things are men's health as well and you know it's it's this really interesting shift happening in the world i think where for men and women we're sort of sitting up to the fact that our health is so much more than sort of what we see on the surface. Um, mm. And, it's and so obviously interesting. I'm biased, but, you know, <laughs> as a psychiatry <laughs> doctor, I, I think that's a, that's a bloody beautiful thing. So it's, you know, it's been actually a really sort of humbling, special sort of week to see in the midst of all this COVID chaos, some of the messages that we're pushing for, for men and their health right now. It is really exciting when you look at the fact that you would never wish for this to be why it sort of come to the fore of, forefront of our attention, mm. but that there is really quite a big silver lining for mental health in particular. Absolutely. And that there are so many areas of dialogue that are traditionally feminine because perhaps we do have more tendencies towards self-doubt and comparison and over-delivering and our, and our value is tied up in being nurturers and all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't mm. mean it's exclusively female and mm. I don't think men have really ever been given permission to say I've got comparisonitis about yeah. my my career or my worth or my body, like body image in particular Absolutely. is something yep. you spoke to me about last year and that was quite new. Like I don't think many yeah. men had even started having those conversations. So Absolutely. it's really wonderful to see how far in just a year we've come. A hundred percent, you know, and, and I mean, that's what I love about chatting with you, mate, and, and what you do here with, with your platform and your voice is it's it's finding that, that little positive needle in a, in a shitstorm of a haystack, which, <laughs> let's face it, the last, the last 12 months have been pretty damn tough. But, you know, I think if there's any silver lining, at least from a health perspective, it's, it's mm. the fact that it's made us really have to confront some of these things, you know, and, um, you know, what we always say in psychiatry and it's not my quote at all but you know the 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 unexamined life you know is is questionably uh, um you know the, the examined life is the life worth living you know mm. so i think if it's taken something like this to get us all to sit up and especially to get us men to sit up and and really start acknowledging that these things are very real and they're very important and that it doesn't make you less of a man it actually makes you more of a man to to kind of acknowledge that we're struggling and to to reach out and ask for help um so no mm. it's huge and i mean just as you said there Sarah, there's been a lot of sort of research and things coming out lately showing that men really are feeling a lot of these things that we traditionally just sort of wouldn't think that men would be feeling or worrying about. And as you said, the body image um, struggles and, and things is, is one that's really skyrocketing for men lately. Um, but also those fears about whether we're doing okay and, you know, what other people think and, and all of those mm. things, you know, I think they've always been there for men, but masculinity and femininity, they have their physiological components. You know, men and women are, 
are different in certain ways for, for definite reasons. But, you know, so much of, of what masculinity is and femininity is, is socially constructed. You know, that the world mm. tells a man what a man is supposed to be and vice versa tells a woman what a woman's supposed to be. And, you know, I think that can make it really difficult if naturally we actually are also underneath feeling things that the world tells us we're not supposed to feel. And, yeah. and obviously for people who are in between, you know, genders or who might be fluid in their gender and things, that brings in a whole other range of, of, of difficult kind of pushes and pulls there too. So I think it's important for us to remember that a lot of the things we're starting to see men struggle with may have been there all along in some form. Yeah. But the fact that we're starting to see them may be a sign that we're starting to break through some of those traditionally very powerful ways that the world has said, this is masculine, this is feminine. Because actually, at the end of the day, that's biologically often not what we are and who we are. It's what society tells us we are. And we can change that narrative. And, and I think for men's health, we need to be changing that narrative. Totally. And I think on a broader level, that's how societal expectations and norms operate, not just on gender, but on career, Absolutely. on like all kinds of things that yep. we have in our life, all the boxes that we think we need to tick that we get very influenced by what everyone thinks we should be doing rather than, you know, how we feel. And uh, I think spokespeople like you are so important to help normalize breaking down those barriers where they're not productive. Cause sometimes they are, but where then, you know, where they might stop someone from reaching out to get help. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you in the neighborhood watch section, coming Mm. at it from quite a different perspective that I normally would, where I, you know, I'm normally looking out there for like a community hero story or a community group or something. But I'd love to ask you just from a, I know you can't talk specifics about patients or people or Mm. conversations, but I think one of the big barriers is access and not access in that psychiatrists and psychologists aren't accessible but mm. more that patients don't actually go and seek them and that's, yeah. a, that's a really big psychological barrier. So for people who might be wanting to chat to someone like you or even just open the conversation, I know that social mm. media has made it a lot easier to drop you a DM or mm. kind of say reach out in a less formal way, which obviously yeah. can sometimes compromise your working hours and like stretch your boundaries. But <laughs> Yeah. It also means that you've probably connected with a lot of people who would never have otherwise consulted a psychiatrist just yeah. to ask questions about how they feel or what, what the you know right resources are. So on the whole in the neighbourhood, are there any questions or themes that have repeatedly mm. come up that if someone was listening, they might find useful to hear what your answer was, who might have missed yeah. your DMs, or who might have missed your stories or the places where you've kind of said yeah. the same thing a couple of times that, you know, might be useful for them as a starting point? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, yeah, you know, I think, and especially if we're, again, sort of thinking about this anniversary and Men's Health Week and things, you know, there have really been some big ticket things that have come up. And, you know, one of the first ones that comes to mind is is really a lot of, you know, girlfriends, wives, mums, sisters, friends asking how they can support the the man or the men in their lives if they're struggling um you know and that's a really powerful thing too you know and that that always really warms me you know to to know that that we're looking out for each other that way you know obviously Mm. we talk about men's health and women's health but we're all in this together and, and overall it's just health um so one of the things that i often get asked is how can I make it easier in terms of opening up or broaching these conversations? Yeah. Um, and especially for men, I think because of all those sort of traditional things men have been made to feel and the messages we've taken in, it can be hard for, for guys in particular to open up about this stuff. So a question I often get asked is, how do I kind of get in there if it's if it's a bit tough in terms of, <laughs> of getting him to open up or getting him to talk about these things? Yeah, and without like, let's go get a mani-pedi and talk about our feelings. <laughs> yeah. Nick would <laughs> not enjoy that. <laughs> I was going to say, Nick, Nick, Nick wouldn't enjoy that one maybe. But... No, that's not the right approach for him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and for some, for some lads it might be, and that is yeah. more than okay. But uh, yeah, you know, and obviously there's no rhyme and reason to this. 
this, everyone's going to be slightly different. But, you know, some interesting research has come out about what can make it easier for men, you know, and, and one of them that I love to talk about is this thing called a diffuser, um, which is adding something within or in between the conversation just to make it slightly less emotionally confronting and intense and there's some really fascinating research that shows that for guys in particular this can actually help just ease things a little bit to to get us to open up and to talk about some of these touchy-feely kind of difficult things Mm. so by a diffuser I mean there's research that shows raising it in the car when you're side by side rather than face to face men often find side by side conversations about this mental health emotional tricky stuff easier than when it's face to face sometimes right Um, so trying it out in the car can be helpful while you're doing the dishes together um, if you're mates or, or whatever, go, when you're going for a job or a jog, sorry, or when you're doing a job together, you know, mm. um, something in between that kind of means there's a little element of distraction there. You can be using your hands or there's other things going on. Um, it can just for some people, women included, just take that emotional intensity out of it. And that can be enough to allow someone to sort of open up. So, So that's a tip I often throw out there or give to people if they're saying, how do I open up easier if I want to? Or for someone who's in the support role, who's worried about someone and wanting them to open up, you know, that's something that they can use as well. Just sort of try and slip it in there when there's a bit of a diffuser uh, in, in there too. That's so interesting and so practical. I think like sometimes there's a lot of, you know, your automatic, automatic response if you're worried about someone is to go deep dive into the research and like Mm. try and read all the books and understand and listen to all the podcasts but that simple just practical tip could change a whole conversation and you've just scientifically explained the meme about how car conversations like car dnms are low-key therapy sessions i'm like oh my god he's just explained it from a scientific point of view it's because there's a diffuser memes are science memes are science i've answered the universe but it's because like you're not making eye contact that's such like that's why walking and talking is so much easier to open up because eye contact is really confronting and like I don't know about you okay I'm gonna blow your delirious Sarah is back out I'm gonna blow your mind again (laughs) and it's gonna be really awkward (laughs) but I cannot be the only person in the world who thinks that when I'm looking at someone really close I start to overthink that I can't look at both their eyes at the same time (laughs) and then I have to look at one or the other and then I think oh my god they're gonna see that I'm not looking at them straight on that I'm only <laughs> they're gonna I be can't like be the only person. wrong with my left yeah. eye why is she just looking at that eye <laughs> but you know when you're like like really face to face with someone you yeah. can't actually look at both eyes at the same time <laughs> unless you're looking in the middle of the nose and it gets really distracting because then of course I overthink it and I'm like shit they're t- telling me they're like deepest darkest secrets and I'm like which iris do I look into to not look Where cross-eyed I- while I'm talking to you <laughs> I would like well, to do a virtual poll right now. Please, everyone, DM me if you have had that exact thought before during a serious conversation. But I get like it removes that whole intimacy that makes the conversation more intimidating when you're looking at someone's facial expression. That makes so much sense. Yeah, definitely. You know, and obviously, really connecting with someone, being face to face, looking someone in the eye. You know, all of that stuff is important in 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 its right place. And I think when we're in that space and zone when when we're feeling really comfortable and connected but but at least to start with some of these Mm. conversations you're absolutely right it can just feel really kind of charged and intense and and a bit confronting sometimes I think and so especially for people who might not have have always felt safe to to raise some of the stuff or to be vulnerable or to talk about you know that they had a panic attack the other day and didn't tell anyone or, you know, that they're actually really scared that the business is going down the tubes, you know. And, and for men, I think because, again, of that societal kind of plaster that, that society's put over men sometimes, mm. uh, I think that can be pretty prominent. So just 
diffusing the situation a little bit and as you say memeing it up with that car <laughs> with that car therapy session or <laughs> the, We've walk all had around, one. the walk around <laughs> the lake whatever it is you know as you say that's not just a meme there's, there's some actual science in that too um but yeah that's that's a big that's a big thing that I roll out to people when they're asking sort of how can I get you know, my mate or my partner or my mom or my dad or my son to open up more, you know, Mm. trying that can help. And, you know, I think something else to really remember as well, especially if you're the supporter of someone who's struggling, is that it's okay to take the pressure off. You know, you, you said before, Sarah, you know, often we'll like, google search psychiatry and we'll be like (laughs) getting textbooks out and like trying to see what therapy technique we can like put under our belt tapping on everyone's like bodies (laughs) start waving a clock in front of their face you know i think taking that pressure off it on both sides is is important because Mm. actually far and away the biggest thing that helps in these scenarios is when we are just there and if we're the one that needs to talk the biggest benefit comes from just talking and just getting out whatever you feel you can you know because these things can be complicated hard to explain it's not easy sometimes to sum up how you're feeling and why and what it means but there's often a pressure to think we have to do that and if you're on the other side of the conversation there can often be this pressure should I have to I have to come up with some solution or some way to fix mm. it or help them or yeah. you know something profound to say um, but actually the biggest benefit from being the supporter is just being a bit of a sponge just being there to listen um, so I think if we take the pressure and intensity out of some of these situations it actually means we not only open up to each other but the opening up is, is actually more helpful um, you know, so so I always say to people, whether it's in the hospital or out of the hospital, like just do it. Like it doesn't mm. have to be a doesn't have to be a TED talk. Uh, it just <laughs> has to be whatever comes out. You know, um, and that's okay. Thank you because... for my TED talk on virginity versus Yosemite. Thank you, <laughs> exactly. thank you. <laughs> and you'll note you'll note, Sarah, that that conversation happened when we were walking side Diffusing. by side so probably mm-hmm. you wouldn't have felt safe to do that if I was like staring directly at your left eye would you not know? have been out no I would have been like what's wrong with my iris like why is he looking at my eyeball <laughs> so do I, I mean, have pink a- eye did Nick <laughs> fart on my pillow what is happening to me right now probably <laughs> he probably did <laughs> I love also how I was like let's go for a casual catch-up I know you're a psychiatrist, so I'm going to offload everything that I have onto you right now and hey, pretend I'll... that it's like a light and easy conversation. I offloaded just as much to you. So it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing I think that's, I, I mean, I would love to talk to you about mental health forever. I mean, there are so many things yeah. that I think are important. But I also am conscious that we're both, well, you're not, but I'm losing coherence. So I think another thing that is really important in CZA, but in life in general, is that when you are as passionate as you are about what you do and access to you has become easier for good reason. And I'm sure you've had, you have many instances in your mind where you're so glad that someone was able to reach out to Mm. you in a way that they couldn't have a decade ago or five years ago. I think one of the things we talked for most of the lake about before UFOs and Calf Club and various named (laughs) national parks in the US was that we felt guilty that we were relieved, like in part relieved about a fourth lockdown having not learned our lessons the first three times. (laughs) And because that's why I talk about Platio so much because we do get really consumed in our careers because when you love them, like there really is very little incentive to kind of slow down before Mm. it's too late. And so I'd love to ask in this Yeighborhood Watch section if there's anything you've seen that made you smile out in the community that wasn't about mental health or that wasn't work-related or a win as a psychiatrist but that was just something you saw that made you happy or that you did that made you happy or a restaurant that you were like, you know, just an experience coming out of lockdown that really reminded you why it's exciting to be alive. Yeah, 
Other than our walk, because I already know that that was yeah, really invigorating I mean, that, for you. That was clearly the highlight of, of the last six months. But apart from <laughs> that, <laughs> that goes without saying. I'm 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 already aware. You don't need to you don't need to clarify. I feel I'm afraid that the pod, that the recording is going to get cut right now if I don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Someone's um, gonna be like, "Did he say the safe word? Is she domestically abusing him?" Like, is he unsafe right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. The, the safe word is "lammy," and we didn't use that word, so we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that made me really smile lately. You know, I, I think it was coming out of lockdown, and I did. I was getting my coffee uh, where I would normally get my coffee in the morning before clinic, and seeing people come in and like just the excitement of, of being able to go in and like sit down in the shop again, and people saying hello to each other and hello to the barista, and you know, the it was just it, it did kind of make me stop and and you know, have a little internal smile because I don't want to be that guy just standing there by himself like with this weird <laughs> smile on his face. Uh, <laughs> we all know you're a creep. We've talked about yeah. it, Karen. We've well, literally, yeah, my yeah. last text from you is, sorry, I didn't mean to be as sound as creepy as I was. And I was like, it's okay. <laughs> we all know you're a creep. It's fine. So we can move on from that. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that needs context, but we're not gonna we're not gonna pull the context. He's out not a creep, guys. He's the loveliest gentleman in the whole world. My love language with Kieran is just paying him out. <laughs> wow, you really went there. Shit. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest. I mean, I just you know, you're like a brother. Well, exactly. I mean, that's and, how it goes. Yeah, and standing in the corner of a coffee shop, smiling to myself, probably <laughs> yeah. fit the the creep kind of yeah absolutely so so I internally smiled but yeah it was just (laughs) that uh you know just seeing people connecting with each other even in tiny little ways you know people that don't actually know each other but people that might just get a coffee at the same time in the same place each day or the barista and the person that goes in every second day to get the coffee you know I, I think this whole pandemic life and going into lockdown and out of lockdown you know again a silver lining in its own weird way is that it's just shown us how important connection is even Mm -hmm. those tiny little connections that we probably don't even think of as connections you know I think when we think connections to other humans we think you know our girlfriend or we think our best mate or we think our parents or siblings um but actually all those little other people and other little fleeting connections in our day are really really important to just living as well um you know so so yeah so that was that was something that made me sort of have a little bit of yay in the day just to see Aww. that coming across as people came out of melbourne's you know, 1100th lockdown. Uh. (laughs) Everyone was just so excited to see each other. And I think it's something that you might not notice actually does happen quite often that strangers Mm. will smile at each other or connect for a second over their dog or, you know, they, something will happen or like someone, (laughs) even something as small as someone was driving past a cafe that I was sitting at and beeping his horn like a crazy person and all of us just laughing together like, oh, oh my God, what a hoon. Like connecting over that was like, I haven't just laughed with a stranger in a long time. And those little moments are really, really lovely where you all just know how nice it is to see another person laugh and smile at something. Yeah, yeah. that shared humanity kind of thing, you know. Um, so yeah and I think that's something that we all really miss when we're you know in lockdown and under COVID restrictions is just that connectivity with each other in the world and you know it's a it's a bit of a a storm a storm of a of a kind of a a social setting at the moment and you Mm. know I think it's what it has done is pull out those real fundamental things to just being human that that we mm. all really miss when they're not there. So totally. yeah, that was definitely a little creepy smile point um, for me <laughs> <laughs> during the week. <laughs> Something that I really love is that even when, like, 
sometimes memes hit me so hard in the heart, even though they're so <laughs> stupid. Like they are really just sometimes so hysterically dumb. But why I love that, I think why people love them so much is because they usually hit one of those Absolutely. joint humanity, like anywhere in the world, everyone understands why that particular thing is funny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love the internet because when you can't connect in person, you can all join together about how hysterical it is that, you know, everyone around the world, like every woman in the world has 75 lip balms and hair ties and you can never find them. And we all can just <laughs> bond over that experience, you know, just like little small things or no, you know, everyone has a chair or a couch in their room where their laundry lives for 85 years after it's cleaned before it gets folded and put away. <laughs> like we all understand those communal humanity <laughs> things and I think it's because that's part of just being a human yeah so, you're so right I saw one that just <laughs> you saying laundry reminded me of one that popped up on my phone the other day and I was like this is legit me this week but it was, yeah. <laughs> it was just a picture of someone's washing machine and it was like wet washing in the washing machine and it was like why do I do this every time fourth cycle you know like you just <laughs> You wash it and then you leave it in there long enough that you're like, it's going to stink now, so I'm going to have to wash it again. Yes. I think I literally got up to about five last week. And we all get it. We're all like, yes, it gets that weird yeah, smell so and I then you just got to do I it again. Like, oh, thank God I'm not alone. Like, <laughs> or that thing where like you've made a really nice dinner and then you forget to rinse the pan when it's still wet and then everything dries on the bottom yeah. and then you go to wash it and then you're like, it needs to soak. <laughs> but really, you just CBF cleaning it. Absolutely. So you, you just leave it to soak. But you and feel so- <laughs> great about it because you're like, actually, I think mum would back this decision. It needs to totally. soak. Yeah, that and shit as is a really woman, dried on. Yeah. I'm like, I am a domestic goddess. I am soaking. I, or when I know how to get a stain out, I'm like, mm-mm. I'm like a grandmother from the 60s. <laughs> I know about baking soda on stains, okay? Yeah, wow. But- You'll see that I've aptly turned the camera just to face a blank wall because I think if, <laughs> That'd be too much laundry. If I turned it around right now to <laughs> show you my apartment, <laughs> that whole veneer of this is a doctor who's got his shit together would just <laughs> fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> Needs a bit of a clean, let's just say that. <laughs> That's okay. Pandemic life. Absolutely. We've been gentle on ourselves. We're accepting our flaws. We're accepting leaning our flaws. Into vulnerability absolutely. We are leaning in. We absolutely are leaning in, which <laughs> is also why I think it's important to admit that we all, you know, maybe wanted to come out of lockdown with a new skill mm. or having read some literature or a new language. And- a new language, yeah. and really we all just came out with a really intimate knowledge of Netflix, Stan, <laughs> Binge, like everything Absolutely. that we could get our hands on, which <laughs> is why the last section is called recommendations because I think particularly when we aren't, you know, we're still restricted in movement mm-hmm. and we are relying a little bit on the internet for human connection and those like hit you in the heart kind of things. Yeah. Even music, I noticed I had forgotten to listen to music because I'm not driving as much and I put on a playlist the other day and it made me so happy and that made me happy for the rest of the day and I just Mm. forgot how much the stimulus you put in your brain affects your mood for the rest of the day. 100%. And so as much as I do love making time for serial killer movies because they're really important for me, (laughs) like this section is where those things that you watch and they're just feel good. Mm. You can't not feel good and happy about being a human. I love sharing those because then when like you post about it, someone from across the world will go, oh my God, I cried in that movie because it was so beautiful. And you're like, yes, I understand. Humans are beautiful. (laughs) Have you seen, what's your recommendation? A show, a book, Mm. a movie, it can be old or anything you've seen lately that just made you really happy. Yeah, well, I had to. I did have to think about this a little bit because you know, you know, we're slightly similar. And you know, I I think I said <laughs> on the last podcast I'm a massive horror movie fan, so I was like probably not going to fit the <laughs> recommendation kind of brief if I'm like watch some guy chase people around with like a massive act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Saw fifty five is not going to make the list. <laughs> so goody. Uh, no. Fifty five was the one, you know. <laughs> I was like the Conjuring or Thor. 
don't know uh, how I can work either of those into a, an inspiring chat about mental health. Um, but no, one that actually I did see recently, and I am that I am that guy who is like, mate, did you see that movie? Like, holy, it's really good. And my friends will all be like, bro, what rock are you under? That movie came out like two years ago. Like, I am that. <laughs> I'm that person. <laughs> um, so two I years think, is not that bad. I'm the yeah, one who's like, true. oh, that came out in like 1995. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> brand new information. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how. I don't think it's that old, but um, I watched the movie on Netflix last week, the My Octopus Teacher. I don't know if you've seen that documentary. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, okay, how okay. Good. This is so weird. I watched this movie yesterday no you it was my recommendation for today what the actual fuck were you about to (gasps) say that (laughs) i was actually about to say it and by like by yesterday i mean literally call nick right now we watched it yesterday how weird is that that is the weirdest thing in the whole entire world that is so Weird. And I'm just searching <laughs> I'm searching my mind to think if us catching up lately, if either of us mentioned an octopus at all, but we legit didn't. We legit didn't. <gasps> okay, you explain why you love it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your face. Okay, you go first. Um, okay, you go. <laughs> this is why I love this podcast so much because even if no one else listens, like I'm so happy right now. I'm so excited. That is literally what's happening right now. Well, I mean, we did just talk about joint humanity and human connection. So, same wavelength. This was because of Yosemite (laughs) National Park to aquarium to ocean to, yeah. Uh, don't go down that rabbit hole. Yep, yep, yep. No, like I legitimately loved it like I'd heard it was really good and had won a bunch of awards and things but never got around to watching it and yeah just like I'll admit again I'll I'll go out on the man limb and make myself a bit vulnerable but like there there may have been a few little man tears shed like when the octopus you know passed away and stuff like it was yeah it was just a really weirdly powerful movie and I think again what it links back to at least for me was just that that whole thing of connection like just Mm. kind of stopping in our day stopping in our lives to realize that these tiny little points of of connection that we have to other people or to an animal or to just nature or what's around us yeah, just like really kind of sucker punched me in the gut in terms of how Same. powerful that is. And it was, um, yeah, really kind of surprisingly uh, powerful. So, Oh, my God, I love that you said that one. <gasps> oh, so, okay, guys. Now, if- now you go. Why did you like it? Well, firstly, I feel like most people listening will probably be like, dude, that was like 10 years ago. It was so 2010. <laughs> that octopus but- thing is gone. Yeah, but if you haven't, it is the documentary that won the best documentary at the Oscars. So is brilliant. Firstly, like that shouldn't you shouldn't need. If you don't trust Kieran and I and my judgment after this conversation, trust the Oscars because it's say, amazing. Highly likely they're not. Tr- <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I need you to call me out for being a creep, but it's fine. <laughs> and I started this conversation with Vegemity Yosemite. <laughs> so it's. I'm not really, I like documentaries, but they're not my yay. Like I'll watch them with someone else Mm. and I'll always appreciate them. And there have been some brilliant ones that I've watched, but I don't choose them first. And I don't know why, but I just, I don't know. I saw it and I was like, "Mm, like what? I don't get it. Like it just, it did not even call out to me one bit. And I only chose to watch it because Nick had said it's been on my list for ages and I was playing some game on my phone and I was like, oh, well, it, I'm not going to concentrate so I can play my game on my phone and watch it. <laughs> and from the first minute, it was literally this guy who is a filmmaker and he he really burnt himself out and lost creativity and couldn't work. He couldn't film. He had no inspiration to edit. So he started, he's from South Africa and he started going into the same part of the ocean near where he lives. And one day he discovered this female octopus and 
got really sort of intrigued by what made her come out of her den and just look at him. And he thought, what if I go back the same, you know, every day and show her that my camera's not foreign, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a threat. And over like seven to ten days she started to touch, like her little um, legs and tentacles started to touch, like there's this amazing footage of all the little um what are they called? They're called suction things. What are they yeah, called? I don't know either. But like on the screen yeah. of the camera, like feeling it out. And then she reached out and touched his hand and then crawled onto his hand. And yeah. over 320 days, which is pretty much the lifespan of an octopus, the footage is all from 10 years ago. And then he got the help of two directors to then make it into an actual oh, film. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's all his original footage of the octopus under the sea, but he was never a wildlife photographer and he never made it for a documentary so he got someone to actually turn it into something 10 years later but the footage that he saw of her is like you start to conceive of this mollusk as this super intelligent Mm. being that recognizes him every day and comes and says hi hugs him on the chest and then she gets threatened by sharks that are in her environment and at the beginning like he sees her crawl up into this, like octopuses can actually, octopi or whatever you should say, can actually make themselves like liquid. They can get through the tiniest cracks. Yeah. But she rolled herself up into a ball, changed colour and then grabbed all the shells from around her and like was this weird shell disco ball looking thing. He didn't know, <laughs> you know that bit, yeah. and he didn't know what it was. And then at the end he realised it was camouflage so she looked like a rock with shells yeah. on her. To hide from the sharks. Oh my god, it's so, so smart. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And exactly. I'm just like, I've never re- like I love animals, but for some reason, mollusks and like anemones or whatever, <laughs> they're not they're not like, you know, cute, fluffy mammals, you know. Paul, so I've never Yeah, that. they're not Paul, right? So I don't <laughs> but at the end I was like, I love you, octopus. <laughs> You're so beautiful. You're so clever. Like I never thought I could spend an hour and a yeah. half watching this octopus and this this man like have all these revelations about how we're visitors here. We're not here to indulge and consume nature. Like we're yeah. we're just visiting temporarily and the nature, like the ocean is an organ that's Absolutely. got infinite wisdom and you're just like bawling with like the world is amazing. Yeah, it was, it's pretty bloody special, hey, and just that. Again, for me, I think the most powerful bit in it for me in terms of the recommendation, you know, for people <laughs> from, from my side was just that, you know, just that power of that basic, just that psychological, emotional connection. You know, this is an mm. octopus and a, and a human, but the way the movie's done and, and you know, just as you say, the journey you, you see it going on, it's just like this bond kind of formed and mm. you know it just kind of strips all those other things away you know all those other things that as as modern day humans we get thrown at us on a daily basis in terms of what's important and what we need to be worrying about and doing with our lives and, and all these things that kind of even though again it's between a, a human and an octopus it just kind of frames <laughs> that you know actually just being together and connecting and and you know, treasuring that is is what actually matters. And totally, yeah. I have two others as well that are so random, but I've been waiting to do them for a couple of weeks, and then I've had guests, and I've forgotten to ask the recommendations because, like I did tonight, I was like, "It will be done in half an hour." It's been fifty minutes, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's been such a lovely chat. <laughs> say, trust me, I could go on talking my rambles for hours. You know this. So. <laughs> So one of them is actually an Instagram page that makes me really, really happy every time I see it. It's Jacob's Food Diaries. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. But it's a mum who makes her son's food look like Disney characters or Pixar characters. (laughs) But like, and she she used to just post the static photos, but now she posts the behind the scenes videos of how she made it. And I'm talking Picasso looking (laughs) creations like, like I don't out know of, ha- out of what vegetables is- yeah vegetables whatever she can find to make it look realistic I can't I can't I can't even explain like here <laughs> let me just show you her name's Layla she's amazing she's got like a quarter of a million followers but for example 
she made, uh, how do I show you? Um, Shrek with spaghetti. Holy crap. <laughs> it looks like a painting. I'm sh- right? It's, I'm wow. sh- I'll, I'll obviously show you guys in the show notes, but that's a panda made of rice from Kung Fu Panda. Can you see that? Yeah. What the heck? Isn't it insane? Like when you say she makes like peak characters out of food, you think, oh, yeah, okay, cool. She like yeah. makes a piece the of cheese. The image in my head was literally. <laughs> Look at the old lady. Wow. What's that made out of? Potatoes it's, or something. Um, mashed potato, noodles, purple cabbage, goji. Like how Whoa. does she do it? It is so <laughs> It is so incredible. But like seriously, look at that. That's Terry Crews. That is crazy. What the heck? And it's all yeah. edible. Well, but and when that's you, and you can't example, actually comprehend right? until those you. Little, those little things that are just like, you know. Just blow your life. mind. Look at it's Simba. Like the icing on the cake. Wow. Yeah, you're going to I don't have to actually understand. Crazy. <laughs> but it just makes me so happy that someone out there puts the effort in. This takes hours. Like someone puts the effort in because it brings joy. Yeah. I just love that so much. Look it's at Mickey amazing. and Minnie. Far out. That is, yeah. I mean, I struggle to just cook rice sometimes, <laughs> let alone shape it into that. So The microwave rice for 30 seconds. <laughs> really struggle. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to soak that plate. Shit. Yeah. And the other one is a movie, which, again, is really old, but I watched it again the other day with my mum and I just was in stitches. It's called The Banger Sisters. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a bit of a chick flick, but it's one of those ones where you just, like everyone has met each of the characters in their life at some point. Okay. Goldie Horn is like the so Goldie Horn and Susan Sarandon when they were younger were groupies who were with, you know, they followed bands around in the sixties and seventies yeah. and like did a lot of drugs and were wild. And then Goldie Horn kind of stays stays wild. And Susan Sarandon <laughs> gets married to like a banker and becomes all proper. And Goldie Horn goes and sees her like 30 years later. And it's just, I can't even explain why it's funny, but it's just because we all know one of those people, like one of each people. And <laughs> Goldie kind of reminds Susan how much she's suppressed of her yay self. Mm. And they start to like, she's like this really proper lady with like a golf course membership and like <laughs> beige suits. And she goes into her wardrobe and she's like, everything I have is beige. And she has like this breakdown and then they get caught by her husband smoking pot going through all their photos of themselves like and her old (laughs) self comes out like it's just so hysterical of like a woman finding herself again (laughs) and it like made me think of play da like remembering how to play i'm not endorsing smoking weed or joints but it's just so beautiful watching her find life again and like she went really beige and she found color again it's just and they're hysterical actresses like it's amazing. No, it's a great I can, movie. I can feel that vibe. I can pull the the psychiatrist metaphor out of that. Like. I feel like you could. I feel like you could. I feel like there'd be a lot of psychiatristing going on. Like, oh, that complex there is a you know. Ooh, there's a bit of beige there. No, yeah. but again, right? That's, it's like you say, and I think you know, not to psychiatrist it up too much, but yeah, you know, that's again. I think that's what the pandemic has shown us is that. You know, life has some bloody tough, tough stuff happening each and every day to a lot of people. But, you know, they're, they're those tiny, ordinary-ish little pockets of, yeah, as you say, joy and mm-hmm. connection and shared experience. And, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Legend, in the middle of the night at, like, one day's notice. <laughs> Does that make me that guy that doesn't have any plans? Eh? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow? Yeah, I can. Yeah. What time? What time? I'll make you time. You want to do tonight? You want to do now instead? Like, yeah, I'm free now. <laughs> I'm, but I'm that obnoxious person who was like, can you do like one hour's time? <laughs> I literally was like, Karen, it's Sunday. It's 4 p.m. Can you do 6 p.m. Sunday? Like this Sunday? Like now in two hours? That's all right. We all know you're raging narcissism, mate. It's fine. Absolutely. I'm a creep. You're an an obnoxious asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for brightening up my evening, oh, if no mate. one else's. This Did was I. such a joy. It's been an absolute pleasure. And like you say, I mean, apologies to everyone that had to sit through some of that, that rambling <laughs> and those, <laughs> you didn't those ramble. awful jokes from me. But, you know, I, I think also, you know, your platform and what you're doing on it, Sarah, you know how much I love it and respect it and you know, to have the chance to come on and, and push, you know, the mental health message, the men's health message, to combo those up in some messy, semi-coherent way, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's always super, super special and humbling. So thank you. And, you know, I hope if anything, a takeaway from this for, for anyone listening is that, you know, whether you're a man or a woman or anyone in between, uh, you know, and wherever you are and whoever you are, you know, it's it's okay to be struggling right now and you're not alone mm. if you are. And, you know, like we said right back at the start, you're not just a drop, you're, you're the ocean in a drop. So, you know, you're worth reaching out for and talking out for and getting help for. So if that's signaling to a, a quack like me that you need a bit of help, that's cool. But Or if it's signaling to a friend or parent or a partner that you're not doing so well especially if you're a guy and that's hard that's that's what we need to be doing so yeah thank you for letting me share that my friend and i'll pop some of kieran's recommended links in the show notes as well for other resources and uh, there's a lot of helplines you can call if you want to go anonymous and lots of resources and places that i'm sure kieran can share with us thank you so much thank you